Zero, Season 3, Episode 28 starts now. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Davis, joined today by Liam Crowley. Christopher Nolan knows what Diary of a Wimpy Kid is. My life is complete. And Aldridge killing supremacy this week. Excited to chat. <laughs> we got Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody. On the topic of that Christopher Nolan tweet, I had to see it five times before I realized it was real. I kept thinking it was a parody tweet. What a world we live in. What a world. Wait, hold on. I got to catch up on what it is you're talking about in just a second. Hold on. We got Aaron Green. Go ahead, Aaron. We got Aaron Green muted, so we're going back to Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan knows about the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies, and that is just a very weird fact that is part of our reality now. And there's specific subtitles, too. That's what most impressed me. Now wait, what 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 is this coming from? What are you the actor from? who plays Roderick in the Diary of Wimpy Kid movies is in Oppenheimer. And someone brought this up to Christopher Nolan in an interview. And Christopher Nolan was like, Oh yeah, Roderick rules. I love that movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, amazing. Uh Aaron, is your uh sorry, I don't I'm I, I'm not a, I can't say I'm a diary of a wimpy kid, Stan. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm really excited that you guys are excited. Uh, I'd, Aaron, like to an- I'd like to announce our Diary of Wimpy Kid podcast. Uh, phase zero <laughs> offshoot because <laughs> all of us are very very happy to see that the the whatever post with like the graffiti i was like wow yo you know cinema i, I no feel cinema. like i have just missed something so cool and important because i have no idea what the hell you're talking about i'm not gonna lie about it something but you have seen oppenheimer before the rest of us so i have seen oppenheimer it's it is incredible but i i feel like that doesn't matter right now i'm the i'm the odd man out of the bunch uh <laughs> All right. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> congratulations to everybody who's excited. I wish I understood what the hell's going on. Uh, <laughs> I want to announce something. We're going to give Phase Zero listeners a little homework, viewers a little homework here. Uh, on our August 9th show, so that is two weeks after Secret Invasion ends, just in case we have like a uh, an episode, we typically have directors or producers or, or writers. I don't think we're going to have writers. Uh, but somebody on the show on phase zero after these Marvel shows end. So the August 2nd episode will be the first week of phase zero without a new episode of secret invasion since the show starts. So I'm keeping that open just in case we're able to get like, uh, Oli Salim on the show to talk about secret invasion or anybody else who wants to come talk with it, uh, with us about it. So August 9th, your homework is due. We're going to have a daredevil and Electra discussion episode because they are now relevant to Deadpool 3. Jennifer Garner is back, and that's going to be our first topic of conversation in today's episode is Deadpool 3. So you can go on Amazon and order these movies for $14.99 on Blu-ray. You get the director's cuts. Those are the ones I'm going to watch. Are they on Disney Plus? I don't know, actually. I will say, because I always advocate for physical media, go to like your local half-price books. They're probably in like the clearance bin because I know that's where I got my copies many years ago. Mm-hmm. But I'm very, very excited about this episode. Big physical media fan as well. I saw it's, I saw a post from IGN that said something like 87% of video games from before 2013 are not commercially available anymore. That's in, if they're not digitally in a store, you just can't get that. That's, that's crazy. If you don't have a physical copy, you're just not getting it ever again, a lot of this stuff. Release physical media. Actually, you know what? Screw it. Deadpool 3 is supposed to be the first thing we're talking about. I want to ask you guys thoughts. I know we are all pro like physical media, give us copies of stuff. But I know that the reason Disney Plus doesn't release these things is because they want you to stay subscribed. But let's say this. Hypothetically, if they released WandaVision for $49.99, I would prefer $39.99. Those episodes are only like five minutes long sometimes. But let's say they're $50. That's like seven, eight months of subscription money. For a show that came out two years ago, which is in large part not the reason people are subscribed to Disney Plus anymore, and my point is furthered by the fact that if you are enough of a fan of the MCU and things like WandaVision to pay forty or fifty dollars for a box set of the film, just so your your little stack of Blu-rays, who would do that? Me is complete. You're not going to unsubscribe to Disney Plus to miss the new stuff. Release the physical media. Does that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? And you can yeah. pay the writers. I, I was trying to find my physical copy of Iron Man 3 today because it's especially relevant. And I remember I specifically only bought the movie physically because it came with a free digital download code. So then I had it on the go with me. So like, I feel like people who have that mentality, it's like if you're buying the physical copy, your free digital download code is Disney+. Plus. So it's like, I think it just makes sense. Most people like to have stuff on two fronts, physical and on the go. Yeah, I remember when I used to put all those codes into Voodoo and have the download code, but I still would watch the like I remember like that that first day when you take home Blu-ray, you'd watch all the deleted mm-hmm. scenes, you'd watch the gag reel, you'd watch all the featurettes and stuff behind the scenes. The Avengers had such a good of behind the scenes video on it. 
Uh, but now all those things are like released on Twitter before the Blu-ray even comes out. So I don't know. I think, you know, I, I, I would buy these just to further my collection. But at this point, there's like 16,000 MCU shows from Disney Plus. So it would cost me about $4 million to complete the collection all at, at one lump sum payment to catch up. But I don't know. I, I'm pro physical media. Anyway, Deadpool 3. Deadpool 3 had some. There's a lot of photo and video from the set of Deadpool 3 going around, including one of the most meta references you're ever going to see. I'm not going to describe it on the show. If you've managed to steer clear, this is probably a good pop moment in the movie. It's a good break the third wall, or break the fourth wall thing that I don't think, I, I wish I didn't have spoiled for me. I don't think it's a huge deal, but we'll just, if you want to find it, it's very, very easy to find online. But there's footage of Wolverine and Deadpool interacting and this all came online as soon as, like, very shortly after the photo of Deadpool and Wolverine. We did a bonus episode, an immediate reaction episode on Phase Zero on Monday. And we all kind of knew this means they're filming outside. This means stuff is going to pop out. Uh, and they just wanted to have the first, they wanted to get that pop for the first look. And they did very wisely. And then all of a sudden, there's all sorts of stuff popping up online. So if you want to hear our thoughts on Deadpool Wolverine costumes, we have a whole immediate reaction episode. It's almost 30 minutes long. It's already out there on the podcast streams. Go listen to that. Thank you so much. We didn't talk about Jennifer Garner enough. Jennifer Garner's back. Electra is here. And uh, I, this could mean a lot of things. What are Jenna, Jenna's shaking her head. So I'm coming to you. What do you, what is your reaction to this? What are you thinking about the return of the goat? I like, I know you, you evangelized about Daredevil and Electra on the immediate reaction episode. I didn't really get a chance to. I, I love these movies so much, almost too much. Like I own a set of the trading cards. I, these are my favorite, like if they're on TV and I have nothing better to do. And even if the movie's like halfway over, I will still stop whatever I'm doing and watch these movies. I, I unironically love them. I love that she's in this. I love also that we are knowing it ahead of time because if we're knowing this, I can only imagine what they're not wanting to tell us. And as I tweeted when this news initially came out, if we don't get like the Evanescence needle drop at some point, that feels like a joke that Deadpool needs to be making for like the 10 people who understand it. But if I don't hear Bring Me to Life with De with uh, Jennifer Garner's Electra, I'm gonna be very sad. But I love this. I wanna talk about like the the set photos, I wanna spoil the thing, but like that, photo made me so much more excited for the movie because if that is the energy that we're going with i'm very very on board with the direction that they're taking everything i saw a dude on instagram yesterday made a reel and it was one of those green screen reels and he put himself in front of the photo of ryan and hugh as deadpool and wolverine and he was talking about he was like you know i love i, I love marvel movies but this this looks so stupid. This is ketchup and mustard. This is dumb. I can't believe this looks so cheesy. And I'm absolutely lying to you guys. This is the coolest thing I've ever <laughs> seen. Like nobody is hating on this. Like it, it got like 50,000 likes because everybody was like, you had us in the first half, not going to lie. Because everybody is excited to see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I have no idea how anybody plays Wolverine after this. Like it, I, I don't know how the MCU fully resets. It's going to be a really tall order. But uh, I'm, I'm here for it, and, and Electra's back, and I hope she doesn't just die. I hope she doesn't just get killed off in there. But, uh, yeah, Aaron, Liam, you guys got anything you want to talk about on the Electra front? Aaron? I'm trying to think, like, what, exactly how I want to approach it. First of all, like, Jenna, I feel like the kids love Y2K stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, Evanescence might not even be ironical. Yeah. It might just be cool again. Like, that's how, we're, that's how we're moving in these streets now. Wake me up. Yeah, I mean, like, is, is, is 100 Gex really that different than that stuff? No, not really. Um, but We're going to get copyright just, stricken because his, yeah, his version so Richard good. Richard and Peter are going to be like, no more singing on the show. Um, I, it is interesting. I do wonder what they're, what they're holding back. I, I do wonder because if you're going to let this stuff out, and the pictures, which we're not going to talk about what else is in the pictures. Like, there must be some other doozies lying in wait, which they're going to... Also, please, just give us these little crumbs and do not tell me anything else. Just don't. Yeah. I would love to walk into this. It was so nice walking into Guardians after not watching any of the TV things, after not really being on social media and allowing it to just kind of unfold. I wish other projects were allowed the same latitude and grace I, I will say to aaron's point too we've seen a lot from set photos stuff that is definitely not intentionally being shown to audiences like the stuff we keep dancing around but i as just an eternal optimist i go back to mission impossible which i saw last week and we saw every single angle of the cliff jump 
But when you see it in the context of the movie, it changes everything. Like it still felt special, even though I felt like I had seen that scene over and over again in IMAX screens. It was playing before movies. I believe it played before Avatar. So uh, even though we see stuff that's going on in these set photos, I think the context of the film will still make it special. And if any franchise is allowed to get away with like the super meta stuff that they're doing, it is Deadpool. I see a lot of the criticism online about, you know, the cameo stuff and, and the eye popping costumes. And it's like other movies have done that recently and haven't earned that. But Deadpool has been doing this and it's it's bread and butter since 2016. Uh, so I feel like in this kind of oversaturated superhero world, it's easy to get lost in that. Uh, and Deadpool is a franchise that can remind us that this type of stuff can still be fun and not take away from the narrative experience. I do, I, I, on that point, I do wonder, what the hell's the difference, excuse me, what is the difference between this and like Multiverse of Madness and the cameos? I don't really get, I don't think that there's like really that much of a difference. It's just everybody really loves Hugh Jackman and, and Ryan Reynolds, to well, me, personally. Well, Hugh Jackman is a cameo. Hugh that, Jackman yeah. is not a cameo. Hugh Jackman is a supporting actor. Fam, can you imagine if they killed him five minutes into the movie, how upset <laughs> you all would be? How freaking mad? The reaction episode would set us records. It would be amazing. <laughs> It'd be Quantumania all over again. They're gonna. I think they're going to kill Hugh Jackman like five times in this mm -hmm. movie. I, yeah, think I think a bunch of variants good. are going to get killed off. So, but I think he's going to be in the movie for the, for, I think he's going to play a big role. Unlike John Krasinski, Haley Atwell, uh, and everybody else in in Multiverse of Madness's Illuminati scene, which and that's both. You can talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You can talk about the Flash. You can talk about most things that have done these sort of multiverse stories. The cameos don't mean anything. Now, Earth eight three eight, Doctor Strange could end up aging well if Earth eight three eight ends up playing a store a role in the MCU going forward. If they come for revenge, if it sets up Avengers vs X Men or eight three eight or something, just anything. I don't care at all about the Earth eight three eight universe. I know there are some kids out there that don't have a dad anymore in Earth eight three eight, and he used to be real stretchy and probably was fun to hang out with. But like, you know, uh, I, whatever. I don't care about any other universe. So I don't know if Deadpool three is going to make me care about other universes, but maybe these cameos. Are actually going to play a part. Spider-Man No Way Home had meaningful appearances from characters in other universes. Spider-Man Beyond Across the Spider-Verse had meaningful universes and meaningful characters from those universes. Doctor Strange did not. Uh, the Flash did not. So that's that's what I'm hoping. Deadpool three is is doing that well, and I think it will. I trust this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe it's just hopeless, stupid optimism, and I'm being naive. But I hope that like these these actually mean something and that Elektra actually has something to do other than just exist for a moment and then go on to the next one. And I don't know, if that is what happens, cool. Okay, that's what a cameo is, it's supposed to be. Usually these cameos happen and then we move on, but hopefully it's not like marketed on cameos and big deals that don't end up being important. Speaking of big deals that don't end up being important, <laughs> Liam. We're talking Kit Harrington that's saying he's not in the Blade movie. Uh, he was asked at San Antonio Superhero Comic Con uh, if Dane Whitman was going to return uh, specifically in the Blade movie, which we don't really. I think it has a release date right now, but we kind of take every release date with Blade with a grain of salt. Uh, and he mm -hmm. said, and I quote, the honest answer is I think that's the intention with the character. I think there was some mis misunderstanding about whether or not he was going to be in the Blade movie. He was never meant to be in the Blade movie and isn't. Any one of these Marvel quotes, I always take with a grain of salt because like he could be telling the truth here and frustrated that he's getting pestered with, you know, theories and everything, or he could just be trying to push people in the wrong direction. Um, I would like to see Dan Whitman in Blade because it's like the only place I can see him being in going forward other than in Eternals 2. And we don't know if that's ever going to happen. Uh, but uh, I want to ask you all, if not Blade, where does Dan Whitman pop up again? Ain't that the problem with the MCU right now? Yeah. I go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> the, like we've said on the show multiple times, it feels like a lot of the actors who are being asked these questions genuinely don't know what's next for their characters. And like, I don't doubt that there probably was and might still be a plan for Dane Whitman in the Blade movie, but like that has had multiple director changes, writer changes. Like we don't even know who is and isn't part of that cast anymore, especially as it keeps getting delayed with all the strikes and everything. So I genuinely believe that he doesn't know what's happening, which is a little frustrating. And as we've said on the show, and as we'll get to with other characters, like not knowing the trajectory, even though we were kind of promised something, definitely sucks. I could have seen him going up in Thunderbolts. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. I don't think he will. Moon Knight season two. Yeah. I think that, because that's supernatural, and oh, just, they both work in museums. 
That would require Moon Knight season two to be a yeah, thing. We don't thing. even know if that's a thing. I just don't know, man. I, I think that, oh God, it's, I'm so frustrated with this stuff because I feel like the roster of characters is getting much deeper than the characters themselves, yeah. which is fun, but it's also a problem in my opinion. Uh, and also though, we got to say, we're talking about this as if Kit Harrington's not in Blade. He's the OG liar, if we remember. Mm. This man's true. the OG misleader in the press. He, that man said, uh, Jon Snow's dead. Jon Snow got, got shanked by a little boy and everyone else at, at the Night's Watch. I don't know. He died. He died. He died. I'm not having... And then all of a sudden, mm-mm-mm. we all knew. We all saw. But he did. He stuck to the lie. He's the OG Andrew Garfield. <laughs> so that, that basically take this to mean he is the lead actor in blade he is now playing blade he has recast (laughs) (laughs) no i don't i I wouldn't be surprised if he is in blade i but it does make sense that he was originally in blade and now that that movie's been rewritten so many times that he's not going to be that makes a lot of sense that but that's just that's just man that post-credit scene feels like an eternity ago from eternals but really it wasn't that long ago. It's just that there's been so many titles in between so many hours of MCU content where we're meeting new characters and new stories and none of them are relating to that. There's like a hundred open-ended threads in the MCU right now. And we're all like, when are they going to pay off? Some of them will pay off very soon. Maybe I'm being impatient. I know everybody gets mad at me when I have any criticism of the MCU on phase zero, but there are things to criticize and I'm getting a little tired of not getting to revisit these things. Actually, as a matter of fact, I know we're supposed to talk about Guardians, uh, Guardians next, but Jenna added something to the rundown today. So I think this is the perfect time to jump to that. <laughs> um, yeah, so Simu Liu uh, did a Q&A on Threads, uh, the new social media platform, and basically someone asked him about Shang-Chi 2, if there's any sort of update. Um, and he said he was told that it would follow Avengers, but it keeps getting pushed back due to circumstances beyond my control. And he had a sad face emoji. Hope to have more concrete news to share soon. So I I wrote this up for the site. I was very curious, like, which Avenger movie he's talking about, because it's like, does that mean that it would have been in between Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars? Or would it have been completely after Secret Wars? Because I think waiting until after Secret Wars to get back to Shang-Chi feels kind of like a misfire in my mind. But what do you guys think? And I know Beatty definitely has thoughts on the fact that Shang-Chi 2 is definitely on hold. I think it's stupid. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's such a that's such an unprofessional way to put it. But like, it's just come on. This is the problem. We're getting all these characters, and like, we don't know when we're we know when we're going to see Miss Marvel again. We don't know when we're going to see Moon Knight again. We don't know when we're going to see Shang Chi again. We don't know when we're going to see Thor again. We don't know when we're going to see Spider Man again. We don't know when we're going to see a lot of the characters we really like, and some of them we do know. And that's just the way these things go. I know I'm being greedy and I'm being impatient, but Shang Chi is clearly one of their best titles in phase four it is their best title in phase four in my opinion it's the only title it's their second best title overall since uh 2020 the only title better in my opinion is gardens of galaxy volume three the fact that simu Liu is there he's ready to play shang chi and the soonest we would get it if the release date the release order as he knew it holds would be late 2025 now four years between with 100 characters being introduced in the meantime to then only meet them 10 years later again I don't know. It's kind of, it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm very obviously getting frustrated with this sort of thing, but I also recognize, I do think they've, they've pivoted and they're starting to slow down and reevaluate and say like, okay, listen, we did too much. Let's, let's, let's take a look at what we're doing and figure it out. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm Liam. What are you thinking? The, the lack of a concrete plan is super frustrating. Cause if we go back to 2021, almost every character that performed well, got an immediate announcement or news or follow-up of this is when you'll see them next falcon winter soldier does well we're getting captain america four it's shooting x y and z loki Mm -hmm. season two announced at the end of loki season one shang chi saved the box office people forget about this it was like one of the first theatrically exclusive releases post kind of like late fourth quarter pandemic i don't even want to say post pandemic it came out in a time where people were still having to be super convinced to go to movie theaters and they flocked to it it made a ton of money uh, at, at least for post-pandemic standards, not like, you know, Marvel Golden Age money. Um, but yeah, the, the lack of direction for the character, I think is super frustrating because Destin Daniel Cretton has all of his Marvel projects lined up. He's got the Wonder Man series he's developing. I believe there's a Ten Rings series with Xia Ling that's in development. He's directing Avengers 5. What about Simu? What about the guy who led the project, the guy who's the face of that franchise? Uh, I think just even planting a flag of saying, you know, it's going to take five or six years because we have so much other stuff going on, but you're getting Shang-Chi 2 in 2025 guaranteed. Like something like that, some sort of concreteness. You don't have to promise us the world. Just make one promise. That's it. 
And it's it's also bittersweet because I mean I know I've sat on the show and been like, make a promise, tell us where you're going. You know, halfway through or three quarters of the way through phase four, I was like, we feel directionless. And then they announced Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. And now I'm sitting here like, well, maybe they shouldn't have announced that yet. So it's easy for us to criticize and, you know, do this stuff. I know that. But I do feel there is a lack of it feels like there's a lack of cohesiveness to the universe. And it feels like there's a lack of direction for characters that we're meeting because there's just been too many. And it's just, well, hopefully, hopefully that ship gets righted. Uh, but yeah, uh, Aaron, you got any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I feel like if Thunderbolts is the way that it is in my brain, that a lot of them are going to be in that. I know that might not be enough for some people. I know I'm in a unique position because my my favorite part of Phase Four is coming literally in November. So like, I I, I know that that doesn't do a lot for some of the people, but I'm like, freaking Kamala and Tiana Paris are both in freaking the Marvels. I'm I'm. <laughs> good next year is going to be hard for me because who knows when cap is going to actually come out you probably not getting across the spider verse like it, it does it's weird but also i'm not over here like some people on the internet tearing down other projects because i don't necessarily love the x-men as much as everybody else i'm not huge or like like loki season one wasn't my favorite disney plus show and i'm and also <laughs> complicated um we're gonna see what happens with that later this year but I'm sure that there's something, there's got to be some sort of thing that just like with Secret Invasion, why they couldn't promote it, there's some reason why we're not getting some of the information. I, I can't imagine. It's not like Secret Invasion is going to end and then Simu Lee is going to be like, ha Like, that's <laughs> not going to happen. But I hope that there's something else where you kind of get a little check-in on him. I, I Also, we haven't seen Wong in like what since multiverse of madness probably no, she hulk she hulk so yeah. oh so she hulk is right he was yeah. in it because oh yeah they watch the sopranos <laughs> pick tv um so i i feel like there has to be some way that we're going to check in with them especially if these movies like deadpool 3 thunderbolts and captain america brave new world feel like they're massive big movies they don't feel like shang chi or eternals or whatever as far as scale wise they seem to be a little bit bigger Hopefully, they end up being a little bit more ensemble things. If it was me, the one thing I will say, what I feel like they, if they could go back and redo Phase 4, I wouldn't even do less characters. I would just have there be a team-up at the end of it because he overestimated the, the audience's ability to go without all the characters being in the same room. Like, it, as much as I kind of eye roll at our commenters who go, Secret Invasion should have been like the comic, maybe it should have been. Maybe it should have been this thing with all of them in it. And you could have poured a good jillion dollars into it and had it be weird who can you trust thing. I don't know other any other Marvel event. But yeah, I I think they under, they overestimated our patience. The obviously. A phase is not a phase if it doesn't have a punctuation point. They're just a bunch of movies and shows. There is no cohesiveness in phase four of the MCU. There's so many storylines and so many characters going on. And a lot of them are really good on their own, but everybody's, oh, they're laying the groundwork. I know, I, I'm sure, I, I don't have the comment section open today. My computer couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi, I'm sorry. But I'm sure if it's anything like other times where I say things like this, everybody's telling me, well, phase one was a building block. Obviously, phase four is never going to be, you know, Infinity War and Endgame in phase three. But if you look at phase one, Yes, we have a direction. We know we're going to Secret Wars. We know we're going to a culmination of all three phases at some point. But if you look at phase one, you had Iron Man. Then you had Nick Fury show up in Iron Man. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to an Avengers movie? And then you had the Incredible Hulk. And Tony Stark showed up. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These two coexist? Oh, my gosh. And then you had Iron Man 2. Thor's hammer was the credit scene in Iron Man 2. And you're like, whoa, cool. We're getting Thor. This is very cool. Thor shows up. And then uh, he comes to Earth. And then... I don't know, that leads directly into the first Avengers movie because Loki is the villain of Avengers 1. And then you have Captain America, the first Avenger, which sets up Captain America and sends him into the present day, 2012, in its post credit scene and has all sorts, it has like Howard Stark playing a part and it all was connected. Now, obviously, when you have all, we have, I don't know how many titles there are in phase four off the top of my head, however many there were, which is more than double there were in phase one, they're not all going to be so seamlessly connected and they don't need to be. I don't need Yelena Belova to show up in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness to go on to appear in this, but a, a story that would have brought at least most of these characters together 
whether it was Thunderbolts pulling together Red Guardian and Bucky Barnes and Yelena Belova and all these characters that were introduced, that would have been a really tremendous punctuation point. It would have been very different from an Avengers, from just any sort of Avengers movie. Or an Avengers movie like Avengers Secret Invasion would have been insane. That would have been so cool, like you just said. I wish that would have happened, and I truly believe we'd all be looking back at Phase 4 with so much, the, the, the tint in our glasses would be so much more rose-colored than it is if it did anything to bring them together. But instead, it, it didn't do that. It had a lot of good stories along the way, but the, the magic of that interconnectivity has certainly kind of been muddied up a bit, I think. I, st I still would have liked, even, even if it was just a post credit thing after Wakanda or something, one thing where they inform most of the people yeah. around about what the heck mm -hmm. is happening. Because I'm still waiting for it. I still selfishly want Anthony Mackie to be like, so you're telling me there's gods in space and they want to <laughs> use the planet as an incubator? Yeah. Like, what? That? And then yeah, it's like, it's Dr. Strange's like, that's nothing. We, I mean, we the, the, the closest like, we got to any of that was on the cruise ship. It was like that little video that they play oh, on like the Marvel cruise ship. Too. I, but even then, that's like technically not canonical. So yeah, I... I I've, like I, it's this weird thing with Disney because I feel like Avengers and Star Wars are two properties that it's like they had really big movies for better or for worse in like pr the right before COVID, and then they're afraid to use that name for a movie in the immediate years afterwards. It's like they're almost being too precious with the title Avengers. I feel like if we had gotten an Avengers movie in Phase Four, it would completely change how we feel about the phase, even if it was just like here we are versus the Masters of Evil. I and that's also the dilemma with Young Avengers too. Is like we don't know if they're ever gonna happen and if it's even going to be called the Avengers. So I completely agree with BD. I think the fact that we're waiting this long and we didn't have that punctuation mark, it does kind of make it more frustrating. I, I really think as a part, go ahead, Liam. I was just going to say to bring this full circle, the last time I truly felt like we were getting somewhere was the Shang-Chi post credit scene mm -hmm. because the, they were sending out a beacon. Welcome to the circus kid. There's Hulk. Well, Bruce Banner, Hulk, there's Captain Marvel, two pillars of the MCU that could be looked at as the new leaders of the Avengers in that specific circumstance and Shang-Chi is being roped into this and of course like there's no clear like explicit this is where we're going but it's a little tease of like there's something else going on and the Eternals post-credit scenes were two just random ones that we don't know if they're going to get capitalized on if ever uh Doctor Strange one of them was a comedy one like just going through all the different post-credit scenes from the film perspective none of them have had the launching off point potential that Shang-Chi executed well, what quantum mania though? Oh, sure. Yeah, actually, yeah. Quantum, quantum mania though, like that's like it took until fast. phase five. Huh? Yeah. It took until phase five. Phase. It took until phase five. A year and a half. Yeah. yeah. Kevin ain't paying me the big bucks to figure it out, Brandon. I wish he was. <laughs> listen, you know? no, I mean, listen. This turned into a big criticism fest, and like, it's true. I mean, it's fair. I think it's all fair. We all have valid criticisms of the MCU, and I do wish we had that feeling of interconnectivity and like that event nature that used to come with these things. We'd all be excited because we knew everybody knew all the characters. We all got to talk about all the characters, and we all got to follow the actors. We got to see them interact on press tours. It was one thing to see the characters go do a movie together and see their storylines and their dynamics and all that stuff pay off and it was another thing to see the actors do press tours together whether it was civil war or avengers or these ensemble films where they finally come together it was so much fun and now i feel like yes we're rebuilding towards that phase four happened over the it's a ton of stuff over the course of two years rather than much less stuff over the course of five i i know but listen, I think we all have valid criticisms of it. And we all just want to see this stuff be as exciting and as as connected and as well told and as enjoyable. Like I'm a, I, clearly I'm on phase zero. And I come on here every week and I'm like, man, I really enjoyed this episode or I really enjoyed this movie. It's very rare for the most part in phase four that I talk about something and I'm like, man, I didn't like that movie. And there's a few that I thought were kind of duds, but nothing that was just outright bad. I just want to see it all. I, I want to see it all be connected and pay off. And I want that that through line to really feel like it's there and it doesn't right now. But anyway, all right, we had one more story about Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn and Chris Pratt and all that kind of stuff, but we are way over on time right now. We got to get to Secret Invasion episode four. Maybe we'll circle back to this towards the end of the show, but I want to talk about Secret Invasion. We don't want to go too long here on phase zero, uh, but if we don't get to it, go to comicbook.com slash Marvel. You will find all the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy updates slash non-updates from James Gunn, who's talking all about the things they almost did and didn't do uh, with, with those with those characters. We'll talk about it next week if you want us to. But uh, we're going to take a one-minute break. When we come back, it's Secret Invasion Episode 4 discussion with full spoilers. If you have not watched yet, this is your stepping off point. Press pause on Phase Zero. Go watch Secret Invasion Episode 4 and come back to us. We'll see you in a minute.
Welcome back to Phase Zero Season 3, Episode 28. That means we're like more than way more than halfway through 2023. What is going on? Uh, we're talking about Secret Evasion Episode 4 right now. We're going to go reactions all around to this episode. Aaron, you're at the top of the screen. What'd you think? Oh, I think he's muted. Liam, you are next in line. What'd you think? No. Well, oh, Aaron, back. Oh, Aaron's back. Oh, Aaron's back. Okay, there we go. I, um, I really enjoyed uh, Charlene Willard and Sam's conversation this episode. It's one of the strongest bonds, probably, like in a lot of these Marvel romances. I was really taken aback. I think the writing has really stepped up in a big way, at least from like how it's all plotted in this show. And I, I'm still like whatever on some of the spycraft stuff. I don't really, like, I'm not, I, Liam is our resident Civil War, Captain America, Winter Soldier, like real, real die in the blue spycraft fan, along with Jamie, who's parachuting out of a plane right now. <laughs> um, but I really, I'm like impressed with the performances and that really makes me want to see what's going on with the rest of the show. Liam? Yeah, I got I got a lot of like decent love for this episode. Didn't like blow me away, but in terms of episode four for Disney Plus shows, this definitely did uh, push momentum forward. I feel, uh, and I say that because uh, there were some big reveals on this episode. But the stuff I want to highlight, uh, you mentioned the performances and the conversations. Don Cheadle, especially. I know we'll probably get into Rhodey a lot, but the way that he convinced me. We can talk spoilers at this point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way that he convinced me that he is a separate character, like within two minutes of him just like going about his mannerisms and how he interacted with Nick Fury in that moment, I'm like, oh, that's a completely separate dude. That's not Rhodey. And like, shout out to Don, Don Cheadle for like turning in one of his best MCU performances, in my opinion, in this episode. Uh, and also extremist supremacy. I love, I love <laughs> this stuff. This is the stuff that makes me a super fan of the MCU. We talked about the interconnectedness, like bringing back extremists after... 10 years in our world, maybe 15 years in the MCU and having it make sense was so awesome. Like it wasn't forced into be like, Hey, remember Iron Man three? It was like, no, this is something that can be directly applied to Gravik's mission and look at how cool it is in this setting. Like when he got shot in the face and the cheek regenerated, come on. Yeah. The violence against squirrels is so okay, but violence against humans <laughs> and secret invasion is off limits. It's uh, you guys were right about that. I'll talk about that later in the show. Sorry, Jenna. What'd you think of today's episode? First of all, hi to Dalton in the chat who just said that this is their first live show and they're getting a Venom what tattoo while they watch it? us, which is the coolest thing. I love that someone's getting a tattoo while watching us talk. That's awesome. Let's go. Um, I know. So uh, I, I'm going to echo what Aaron said. I, I've loved the scenes with Fury and Priscilla. I think those are some of my favorite Marvel scenes in recent memory. Like the one of the two of them at the kitchen table in particular, I was like enthralled with. I didn't like the rest of the episode as much. I There were parts of it that I liked, but there were parts of it where I feel like we're kind of sort of going in circles. I, I like looked back. We are now three out of the four episodes ending in a character death. It's either a death that's going to get retconned immediately or just like that is literally the beat we've ended on for three out of the four episodes so far. And I find that kind of weird. I don't know. I, I'm still liking what I'm seeing. But the more that I think about it, the more I can kind of poke holes in some of it. But like the performances are so good. Fury and his wife are so good that I'm enjoying that aspect. Uh, this I think I feel this week how it sounded like a lot of people felt last week. Like I really enjoyed last week's episode. This week I felt like we're just spinning the wheels a bit. Uh, it started with my least favorite trope, a fake out death, and then it ended with what I assume is also going to be a fake out death. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Talos is dead. Maybe he's not. But Gaia is definitely not. I mean, I'm glad Gaia is not dead. We all kind of suspect that she's not dead. We all saw her in the trailer already. It's great to see Amelia Clark is staying in this role. But I also, you know, it lessens the stakes. You're right. Maria Hill died seemingly for real at the end of episode one. Gaia died at the end of episode three didn't actually die. And I'm glad it was done in the first scene. It wasn't this thing where we had to like wait a whole episode or another episode and have Gaia come back. But then at the end, Talos is shot and stabbed and presumably dead at the end of episode four. Now, I don't think he's dead because it's it's Talos. Like it's Ben Mendelsohn. I really, I think it would be a crime to get rid of Ben Mendelsohn. He's one of the most talented actors in this series. Actually, everybody in this series is delivering incredible performances. No Olivia Coleman this week, which is devastating. Mm -hmm. But uh, Nick Fury leaving him there is going to cause problems. Now, I, that's, that seems like a Nick Fury move. That seems in character. He was torn up, but he made the decision he needed to, to, to achieve the mission, which is what Nick Fury has always done, except in the case of his marriage. He recognized the risks it posed to him, his career and security of the world, apparently, and still chose to move forward with his marriage, which I loved that conversation. I thought that was tremendous. The writing 
in the con in the dialogue of this show in the meaningful conversations is tremendous. The action, I just don't care. I'll be honest. That That's probably why I didn't really care too much for this episode. I felt like it was a bunch of scrolls as humans that are mostly undefined. I don't really know who's who anyway. Shooting at each other in that shootout scene. A Groot arm comes out. A human gets killed. It's in no way violent. It's off screen, whereas all the scrolls can have you know, knives put through their hands or sh their face blown off for a moment. Um, I didn't really care for the action of it. So this episode is definitely my least favorite of the four. And it's the first time I I I've had this fear since episode one. I'm like, I love this. I love this. I love this. I really hope it sticks the landing. I don't know if it's going to in only six episodes. And this one has me feeling like, oh, gosh, is that where we're going? No, I don't know. Two episodes left. I really, really hope we stick the landing and figure it out. I didn't hate this episode. It's just hands down my least favorite of the four. I am intrigued that all the stuff we assumed is from the final episode with the big battle was from mm -hmm. this one. That's that true. is interesting. I was yeah. like, I thought for sure the image of him doing the Groot arm stretchy crush guy thing was from the final episode because of how some of the other some of the other shows have gone. So that yeah. does engender a level of optimism, I suppose. Yeah, I, I I'm curious. You know, do you think we're gonna get cameos? from other characters or scrolls as other characters in these final two episodes. Do you think there will be other Marvel heroes or villains that end up playing a part or being scrolls in the end of this? Because I feel like we are truly, like you just said, we're in uncharted territory. I don't think there's really footage from the trailers or stuff that are in this seemingly like, you know, the third act, the, the final third of the show. I feel like this is all going to be brand new stuff that we haven't seen before. I feel like a lot of stuff too, when people were doing interviews uh, for this project, everyone was saying how it was so long. And the past two episodes, uh, three was 42 minutes. This week was, I think, 36 or 37. Mm -hmm. That makes me think. <laughs> I've been burned by this so many times, like so many Disney plus Marvel finales. I've been like, oh, it's going to be an hour. It's going to be an hour 10. And it ends up being like 45. Uh, but, you know, I I'm ready to be heard again. Like, I I'm kind of like, you know, if this is really a long show, I feel like we're going to get lengthier five and six episodes and hopefully it kind of culminates in like a, a two-part finale and to answer your question i would really hope we get at least one big unannounced cameo or something just because like this is secret invasion like this is not like just like any old rinky dink marvel storyline we we're just talking about how this could have been an avengers movie uh if they adapted it for a feature film um so i, I hope there's something and i just hope it makes narrative sense um because even you just saying cameos uh right then and there it like made me reactionary wince to it because i just like that word has now transformed into like oh it's good because wonder woman showed up in the third act it's like mm -hmm. no it's like that's not enough anymore it has to make no, shazam was good because it was good yeah shazam yeah. was just a good movie okay i'm sticking both of them both of them are good movies. i love the first I like one and i, I haven't seen first one's better second yeah. one's still good okay i'm sticking to it i stand by it uh i have two things i want to point out one is a comment from uh, Langley M. Neely. I thought of, I also thought the president was going to die because Thunderbolt Ross becoming president by Captain America four. That's interesting. That's actually a good point. We know Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt Ross, as Thaddeus Ross is the president in the MCU. So either there's an election coming or what you thinking, Liam? Well, I asked Dermot Mulroney this exact question and he pled the fifth. So we don't know. He 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 didn't even know Harrison Ford was lined up to play the president eventually. But I was like, are you prepared to come uh, to campaign against Harrison Ford? He was like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. So that man is cooked. That man is I cooked. was going to say it, the funniest <laughs> outcome of this, though, is that it, if it was just like an election that happened off screen and like Ross just got elected, like it wasn't even a line of succession thing. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. Aspect that would be, I, I always feel kind of weird about that when uh, like a, a fictional universe bring. Mm -hmm. He's like, man, that kind of takes me out of a little bit. It didn't really affect me in today's episode, but I'm so curious how that's going to go. You know, if you kill the president of the United States, that's a really big deal. So, <laughs> what, what will happen in the MCU if the president is killed by scrolls? Now, I have a feeling Now, this was the second thing I wanted to point out. This is inspired by another comment from Langley M. Neely. I need Sharon Carter to be outed as a scroll. What if, like, I, I remember asking the director in the interview, is Secret Invasion going to finish its story in six episodes? Or is this going to be, you know, just a cliffhanger for the rest of the MCU? Uh, and he just said, yes, like, it's going to be both. Like, if Nick Fury will accomplish his goal and there will be things that get picked up and can be picked up. What if the show ends with just kind of implying that a whole bunch of characters are scrolls? 
Now, in the past, I would have thought that's a huge possibility because it's like, okay, we don't really know what's coming. We have all these stories and this could be like, there could be a secret invasion movie follow-up or something. But now we, I feel like we have so much information about release dates and upcoming shows that if they're going to do a whole Skrull invasion storyline that's bigger than just these six episodes, we're not going to see it until 2043. So I don't know how they could do that because it's too sprawling of a story to fit into the rest of the story they're already trying to cram into this. But there's a chance there are some characters that we learn are scrolls, and I think that could be fun, and it's something I would actually like to explore, and this story from the comics is so deep. I love the Secret Invasion comic. We're obviously not going to get that full-blown ever, but if this continues, I don't know. I don't know. Can I say an insane theory that I thought of? Uh, I would love insane theories. Hit, hit us. Earlier, you mentioned how Fury had to decide between going with the president or staying with his dying friend, Talos. Um, and we're talking about whether or not it was a fake-out death. And we talk a lot about Captain America Winter Soldier vibes. And I go back to 2014 and another movie that came out around that same time, X-Men Days of Future Past. And as you'll recall... The best X-Men movie. The best X-Men movie. Thank you so much. When they get uh, the Sentinels to become like super Sentinels, the key is getting Mystique's blood because then that can transform them. So could we be in a situation where like the government gets their hands on Talos's body and the scrolls as we know them are still like majority good guys, but then governments of the world are able to take that shape-shifting ability somehow from DNA, from blood, apply it to just general human population. And then that's where we go from there. I know it's like, it kind of mirrors Days of Future Past a little too much in terms of that being the key. But I feel like that could be a launching off point. Are you saying that it's they're using Talos to create new, like turn humans into scrolls or detect yeah. if people are scrolls? Uh, it could be both. That could, oh, that like, I feel like the latter is more likely because it's less convoluted. Yeah, I was going to say maybe they like develop the the rapid scroll test that you just swab up <laughs> someone's nose to see if they have Talos DNA. Like uh, how in Days of Future Past, they could detect the mutant gene even if you yeah. weren't a mutant. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. I, I just feel like these stories are like these ideas are so big and would be so interesting, but with only two episodes left and a, a million projects that seemingly don't have relations to scrolls other than possibly the Marvels and Armor Wars, if that's still coming, uh, then I don't know how they tell a story this big within everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. I, I now think I know what likely thing that would probably make everybody mad, but like I feel like is a pretty likely final thing. So if you don't want to even have the possibility <laughs> of being like spoiled, but they're going to find uh, listen. That's a fair warning because Aaron has been a damn prophet yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah. Like if if, if, if uh, like Brandon, I'm I know you're Aaron is a time listen. traveler. <laughs> Aaron just yeah. got the actor who played Darwin a new role. <laughs> yeah. 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 Aaron is a new role. He is the phase zero prophet. Yeah. We have a few shows after we mentioned Darwin for the first time in probably a decade. Mm -hmm. That actor gets a new superhero. Boom. Yeah, I laughed amazing. so I laughed so hard when I saw the announcement. I was like, "No!" Not again. <laughs> oh. He won't die this time, though. Like I, I feel like he terrific. won't. So but yeah. Hope oh my gosh. Okay. So along with that, I think a very likely final thing from this show is that because Rhodey gets wicked about the deep freeze, he only knows what was going on around. What would it be like? Uh, Ca Captain America three. Like mm -hmm. that. That would be like the latest possible thing, or like oh. somewhere around there, or Iron Man two. So if Sharon talks to him, he doesn't know she's dirty and we know she's an arms dealer. So there's your, uh, there's your armor wars and how it starts right there. I just like, so then Rudy and Endgame would have been the scroll. Like, he yeah, 100%. Okay. 100%. That would be really interesting to me if it was like that baked in for that long. Yeah, that wow. would be interesting. You got to go back and see if he called Fury Nick at any point. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I have seen people poke holes in that theory because, like, Tony called him Nick at one point. Like, there's Tony other previous. Tony Stark still that would be funny as all good. Saved. Iron yeah. Man's back. And the yeah, all the olds <laughs> on Twitter really want is more Tony Stark. Yeah, it would also explain why he was so cool. Just like, can we go back to baby Thanos and just like, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of weird stuff that Don Cheadle's had really fun line deliveries. Yeah. And kind of like strange in moments the thing from them trying to lift the hammer when he tells that story is very strange i could i that's the only thing i want from the last two episodes of this i want one episode where a good chunk of it is here's a flashback 
explaining some of how he got to mm-hmm. be a scroll. I need it. I, I need it. I want that. I need. I need. Here's here's how we. What would have been the best way to know that Rhodey was a scroll? If he walked up to somebody and said, "Boom, you looking for this?" and they actually laughed, like he actually <laughs> had to tell a joke, that would have obviously not been Rhodey. I'm sorry. I know. Thank you for the laugh. I'm just as good at jokes as Rhodey. Uh, WWE is MCU canon, except. Uh, oh, my uh, my headset fell off. Sorry if somebody was talking. I got batteries in this. I'm gonna finish my sentence uh, and then let y'all talk about it. But WWE is MCU canon, except in true scroll fashion. Uh, fake Rhodey described it terribly. He said that he fired Nick Fury uh, in like in as in DDT off the top rope form, like the Undertaker. I'm going to tell you this for everybody who's never watched WWE. The Undertaker has never, I'm willing to, I have not watched every match The Undertaker's ever done, but I'm willing to say this. The Undertaker has never done a DDT off the top rope. The only time that man is on the top rope is if he's holding someone else's hand and he's about to jump off and punch him in the shoulder, or he has jumped off and done like a flying little clothesline, or he's throwing Mick Foley off Hell in a Cell. That man ain't doing DDTs off the top rope. He's 17 feet tall. It ain't happening. Anyway, Liam, I know you want to talk about this. Go ahead. No one does DDTs off the top rope. It's like impossible <laughs> and super dangerous. Like that, I, I can't, when he said that, I was like, that's not a thing. Anyways, uh, no, this just got my brain going because I was like, well, Undertaker, I believe had a segment with uh, Seth Rollins back in 2013. And Seth Rollins mm-hmm. is going to be in Captain America Brave New World. So now I was like, is, uh, is Seth uh, Rollins a scroll out there? Is there a real <laughs> Seth Rollins and there's a scroll version in Captain America 4? Uh, that's where my brain went, but yeah, I don't think there's any other wrestlers involved in the MCU. They're all DC guys. Or no, freaking Batista. Oh my god. Yeah, Batista <laughs> fought Undertaker at WrestleMania. Drax and- fought The Undertaker at WrestleMania. He came to Earth for a little bit. That's the holiday special I want. Let's get that. Becky Lynch was in a deleted scene from Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. Seth Rollins' wife. WWE. It's, well, yeah. And there's probably been so many celebrity celebrities have been so involved in WWE that I imagine somebody from the MCU has at some point done something. Hugh Jackman punched off Ziggler on Raw in 2011. That's it. We are breaking the fourth wall. There we go. The multiverse is madness. Uh, Every time I see 2012 on the screen, I get excited. I was a little disappointed that I didn't get more Avengers type stuff in that scene, but I ended up getting great dialogue. So I wasn't too bad about it. Uh, What else we got here? What are my notes? Fury and his wife's love story. Is it working for people? So here's, a, here's, a, here's a thing that usually causes a problem for me. When I've spent time with a character, years with a character, seasons with a character, movies with a character over the course of a decade and more, when you go back and you add a bunch of context to their life that doesn't really fit or was never once referenced or anything, like even little things like Gamora having that little switchblade in Infinity War that was never in the first two Guardians movie, but seemingly was so important to her. Just those little things. I'm like, mm, man, I wish this, I wish they would have been able to think about this before. I'm greedy. I know. It's okay. It doesn't ruin these things for me, but it is the thing that happens in my head. So with Nick Fury, I'm like, man, this is weird that they're enriching his story this way because it was never even referenced that Nick Fury had a wife. That said, it's working for me. They're doing it in a way that is working for me. Nick Fury, you can get away with this because he likes to keep his secrets. And his wife is a whole lot better than how he lost his eye. So I don't mind at all. I'm really enjoying the the, the work that these two actors are doing and the way that they're written. And I do believe they are people who care about each other. And that scene with them at the table, not only in 2012, but in the present day when they both shot their gun and chose not to shoot each other. And Nick Fury really talked about how he knew he was making a mistake and he did it anyway. And he's he knows he's in danger, but he's continuing to do it anyway. I really enjoyed that. I'm enjoying the love story. Jenna's, Jenna's, what do you think of this? I, again, that was my favorite scene out of the episode. And it might be one of my favorite scenes out of the whole show because it answered a question I didn't know I had, which is like, if you are impersonating a person as a scroll, can you possibly have a relationship or some sort of acknowledgement with that real person? And like, I think her, her whole speech about like talking to the woman before she was dying and make like making all these promises to her and having Nick be a part of that promise, I thought was just such a cool way to take this relationship and to make it be this thing where, yeah, we, we didn't know this was existing in the back of the MCU this whole time, but it still felt like it makes sense there. So I don't know. I love it. I I don't want them to betray each other. I don't want anything bad to happen to them now because this is like, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the show, probably. I I, I don't know if they're going to be sticking to each other's corner through all six, but so far I really enjoy that they have. Have we gotten the safety deposit box thing yet? No. Oh, from the end of episode three. Well, that and there was another thing in the... That might have just been the gun. 
It might just um, be like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. We might, have, we might yeah. have just needed to get that pistol. Yeah. You know? I'm sad. It doesn't feel like we're going to see her again in this, which makes me really sad. I'm like, oh, it was so good. Like, to have an episode where that or she gets taken off the board and Talos. And I'm like, these are the two people I enjoy Samuel L. Jackson talking to the most besides Don Cheadle, who I'm uh, I'm sure we're going to get part three of a showdown between those two. But I, I can't say enough. Whoever's doing the dialogue, the writers are doing the dialogue. Mm. Shout out to them. They're They're really crushing it for real. Yeah, they're doing a great job. Liam, what are you thinking about the love story of Secret Invasion? It's it's all right. Like I'm not blown away by it, and I, I will say it is difficult for me to fully embrace it, knowing that it's something new that's supposed to have always been there. Like mm-hmm. that for me as a viewer has been hard to like wrap my head around that. Like this has been present the whole time. Um, I hope that there's moments I can go back in past Nick Fury appearances where like maybe he's leaving a phone call and coming back to a conversation, just something. Like Star Wars mm-hmm. does a really good job at that, where like there's an empty seat in a new hope. And you're like, Oh, that was Orson Krennic seat. Shut up. Ben Mendelsohn, like the rogue one uh, general who's no longer alive when uh, a new hope comes around. And they didn't think of that at that moment, but it was like, that was a fun little thing that existed that they were able to contextualize decades later. Um, I understand not everything in the MCU can be that because there's so much past stuff that they're now coloring in. Um, But I think they're doing their best with it. My favorite part about the romance uh, is her talking about the poetry she likes and then them going back to reference it later. I love a good line of dialogue callback and I thought this that specific line of dialogue was a nice bow tie on this episode that didn't have a lot of bow ties. I didn't think we we're going to be talking about Raymond Carver yeah. ever on MCU thing. So <laughs> that was cool. Like this, this t- useless English language and literature degree that sits behind me is like, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about it. Also, I'm writing something later for the site. Thematically, that ties into all the Paul Robeson stuff from episode one mm-hmm. about walking in your own identity on Earth and feeling dignity and walking in your own skin. So like I said, there the, the background stuff is really kind of marinating well together really nicely. I just hope that the ending is good so that we don't have to have another what's going on here. I mean, listen, if, if it, Brandon will lose his mind, he will explode out of that studio. If all that happens in the sixth episode is he gets an eye patch, he gets a new mm-hmm. eye patch, Brandon will be like, they did it again. It will be very funny. For me and for Jenna and Jamie and maybe Liam, but like not for BD. They need to give us something in episode six. They need to give us something. I just need, I just really hope this show lands it. There's only two episodes left. I think they've told a really interesting story. And now through through three and four, we're kind of redundant. I really enjoyed three. I don't feel like the needle moved a whole lot in four. Uh, I don't feel like the story really went super four. Like we got a couple twists in three and we just really dug into the twists and those twists in four. Uh, we brought one character back to life and killed another. And I don't really feel like too much has happened uh, other than really good performances. And that's okay. We can let these characters breathe a bit as long as it's going to land. I really hope episode five and episode six are strong. That's typically where MCU shows on Disney plus have gone off the rails a bit. Uh, we got a Kaiju fight to end moon Knight. We got WandaVision. I always say WandaVision was better than its finale. Loki is the one that delivered on the finale for me. The Falcon Warrior Soldier finale was weak. Uh, looking back at all these things. So, uh, yeah, I know, Liam. I said it. I said it. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. <laughs> there were good parts of it, but I did not need a speech in the streets to senators to end Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay. It was, it was, it had, it had a good elements, but if you, now that it's, now that I've sat with all these things and I look at the whole, I see a trend that oftentimes the shows are better than their finales and the finales are often almost out of character by comparison to the first two thirds of the show. So I hope, I uh, uh, I feel every time I criticize something, I feel like people are like, you hate everything. Like, nah, man, I'm just, I'm just looking at everything and I'm saying, okay, I, I hope that this one's a little bit different and I end up liking it more. If you like everything, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I think your opinion is just as valid as mine, even if we don't agree. Uh, so yeah, I just hope, I just hope there's some sort of good, payoff that keeps in the grounded nature with the good stakes and everything secret invasion has done the character driven dialogue driven stakes of secret invasion i don't need a big blowout fight like i got in episode four which was fine i just didn't really care for it as much as i care for everything else the show has been doing what do you guys think what do you what do you what do you want what do you hope for two episodes left liam you're at the top man uh i guess the thing is i don't know if i want full secret invasion closure because we just talked about the interconnectivity of the MCU. I would love for this to have a launching off point. 
So like, is it too much to ask for both? Is it too much to ask for like <laughs> a nice bow tied story that also has threads we can tug on come the Marvels in November? Like, I'm hundred percent for that. I'm with you that, on that. that, that that's, what, that's what this, that's what this franchise has been built on. Right. But like what Disney plus show has, has done that so far, I guess WandaVision yeah, technically, exactly. but yeah. I got a whole gripe with how Wanda was handled in Dr. Strange too. Like, I, I yeah, I I hope that there's there's two there's a landing stuck and another airplane taken off. That that's what I want. I'm telling you, I I stand by it. You could have watched Avengers Endgame, not watched the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and gone straight straight into Captain America: Brave New World, and there would have been very little. Like I, I don't know, I haven't seen Cap Four yet, so maybe I'm ahead of myself and I'm wrong, and I'll eat my words down the line. But I just feel like you could have not watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, and you would understand Sam Wilson is Captain America now. Here's and I'm sure they're going to do like a reintroduction for Joaquin Torres, you know, some things like that for people for people who might not have watched the show. And like you didn't have to watch Loki to watch Spider-Man No Way Home. You didn't. I mean, WandaVision got so overlooked in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like, yes, we got we got you know rewarded for understanding the richness of Wanda's story, which was told so brilliantly in WandaVision. But Sam Raimi and the team on Strange didn't embrace WandaVision very strongly at all. They went really quickly into Wanda being a villain. So. But if we skip know. Falcon Winter Soldier, we don't we don't get Madripoor, Brandon. We don't get Madripoor. We need Madripoor. <laughs> I know everybody's gonna be mad at me for that one, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Jenna, what are you hoping for in these last two? I I agree with you, BD. I think like I I want closure. I want this to feel like a satisfying story in its own right, and not have so many dangling threads that then I feel like we might not get close. Like I I want to know who Gaia's like human alternative is, and if that is Abigail Brand or not. I want these questions to be answered. I want like Olivia Coleman to come back because she hasn't really had anything to do in the past two episodes. Um, but then yeah, I at the same time I want to know where this is in relation to the Marvels because as we said, especially with episode one, is this a prequel? is this like set after and how does that work especially if maria hill really is in the marvels like i want some sort of cohesion and some sort of answer with that and not have to wait until november aaron i mean i there even though we obliquely kind of like drew to it in captain marvel you're still waiting on the ever simmering crease scroll war to rear its head again, especially with the stuff that happened in Miss Marvel about the Kree, possibly Kree arm with her bangles and stuff. So they have to play a role in all this Kang craziness with the technology. So I would hope that that stuff ends up being in the Marvels and maybe forward. I am kind of sad that the scrolls are really only in Captain Marvel, WandaVision, this show, and maybe the Marvels. Is that right? Is they they appear mm -hmm. anywhere else? Oh, and Spider Man Far From Home. Home. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there are only like five things, which is kind of interesting. And I you assume maybe they'll be in Fantastic Four whenever Fantastic Four comes out when, we, when Brandon and me have gray hair. Um, but <laughs> I'm already I'm already on my way. <laughs> don't worry, Liam. You got plenty of time, kid. Got a, little, got a little blonde here, and I don't know if it's gray. Yeah, and I got a little. Bit, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm so I'm so I'm the old man now. We're up here. We're up here. I'm just Laser playing. I'm, I'm, you know, I saw an interview the other day. Somebody went up to Harrison Ford, and I, this was I don't know what movie it was from, but they went up to Harrison Ford on a red carpet, and they said to him, uh, "What's it like to play an angry old man nearing the end of his career?" <laughs> Harrison Ford looked at the interviewer and just tried so hard to fight back the smile and eventually after about 10 seconds just cracked and was just like, that was a good one. I was like, damn, <laughs> look at that. That's a great bit with Harrison Ford. Nobody gets that, man. Well, Jamie got a, Jamie got a good bit with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like, to get him to laugh, that's that's impressive stuff. But now I'm, I'm turning into Harrison Ford now, which I <laughs> transformation. I'll take it. Uh, all right, y'all. Let's go around and sign off with today's show. Liam, you're at the top of the screen. What you got? Yeah, well, just thank you for having me on uh, at Liam T. Crowley on all social platforms. Uh, and just to, to end, uh, I don't think it should ever be criticized uh, for criticizing something you love. Like sports, when a team loses, we don't go, oh, man, they played their hearts out. No, you want them to get better. And the only way these projects get better is if we actually air our criticisms. Um, so, of course, there's going to be pushback. We're not always going to agree with each other's opinions. But I think these conversations are very valuable. And I think they will lead to better content in the future. I agree. Great job. You always come prepared, man. Good work on today's show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Jenna, what you got for uh, signing off today? 
Um, it's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on all social medias, alive or dead. Who knows what Twitter's going to be a week from now? Um, and go read some comics. As always, there are some very good ones. The Night Terrors event is starting over at DC, and there's a lot of Marvel stuff that's really good this week. The new issue of Scarlet Witch is very, very good. So go read some comics. Aaron? It's at some like Hornet on the husk of Twitter. Um, I watch out for my secret invasion thing about the dignity on earth and dignity and where you stand and how I guess Fury and Vara's paths are very, very similar when you think about it and divergent in ways later today. And comicbook.com, we're having a freaking Instagram live with Zolo Meridueña from Blue Beetle later tonight. And that is going to be super fun. I'm excited to get through the rest of these DC movies so we can get to the main event. I am yes. excited for my boy to get his chance to be in the suit. I am ecstatic about it. So please go out, say hi, ask him questions. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, yes, yes. Make sure you're following uh, the comic book account on Instagram for that. Uh, if you're listening, if you're watching us live, if you're listening to us on Thursday, you might have missed it, but you can go back and find it. Uh, and uh, yeah, you guys were awesome today. Thank you for a great show. I've dropped my headset again, so I don't think I'm going to be able to <laughs> Uh, that's, that's phase zero everybody thank you aaron liam and jenna for being absolute rock stars on today's show richard in the control room with the fancy outro here i gotta end it on that that's perfectly time goodbye everybody see you next week